You're listening to the We Lead Well podcast, where well-being matters. The show is brought to you in partnership with Progressive Masculinity and HeadTeacherChat.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the We Lead Well podcast. I'm Vicky Maguire. I work with schools to support school improvement through coaching and I do that in a number of ways. I do one-to-one coaching with school leaders and head teachers to support them in their roles, helping them to work through their challenges and improve their leadership. I deliver coach training so that schools can create coaching communities to support the development of teaching and learning. And I am an accredited Resilient Leaders Elements Consultant and I use their Resilient Leaders Development Programme to support leadership training and leadership development. If you would like to find out about any of the coaching that I do, you can email me. It's vicky at weleadwell.co.uk or you can have a look at the website at weleadwell.co.uk. So today on the show, I'm really excited because we have an interview with Cleo de Jong. Cleo's a deputy head in a North London school and she's a mum of two. And I first heard her on the Diverse Educators podcast, which is presented by one of my good friends, Yumina Beebe, who has been on the podcast in the past. And when Cleo was talking on the Diverse Educators podcast, what really resonated with me was her experience of pregnancy and being a new parent and a parent in the workplace, particularly a workplace in education, a school. And I wanted to get her on the podcast with me to talk about those experiences because I wanted to share some of my experiences too that even though they happened, it'll be 20, yeah, 20 years ago now because my older son is is 20. So even though my experiences were 20 years ago, what Cleo was talking about really resonated with me and I felt her experience was quite similar to mine. So I did want to talk to her about that experience of being a a senior leader and a working mum and how that's worked for her because it was brilliant to hear her talk about and you'll hear this in the interview, how her current school is allowing her to work flexibly so that she can cope better with the stresses of being a mum and a deputy head teacher, which I have to admit was what contributed to my burnout, being a single mum, being a deputy head and being in a bit of a toxic school and I struggled to cope. And even though Chloe tells a really positive story for me that's full of hope for the future, that things can be better, unfortunately, I do think that we've still got a long way to go in some schools in the way that we support pregnant teachers and senior leaders and teachers and senior leaders who are working parents. So I think you're going to really enjoy this interview with Cleo. So here she is. Enjoy. Cleo de Jong, welcome to the We Lead Well podcast. It's fantastic to have you join me this morning. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. (laughs) Really good. And I, I do want to let the, the listeners know that it's Sunday morning and how amazingly grateful I am that you are spending a Sunday morning to talk to us and to share your experiences with us because I know that weekends are very important for school leaders, so it's very much appreciated. It is, but I'm not going to pretend I haven't been up for hours already. So. 
<laughs> two, Sunday lions. Because <laughs> you know, you've got two little ones, so they're they're up. My two, on the other hand, well, three. I've got twenty year old and his girlfriend, and the sixteen year old, and they're all still still in bed. And no fear that they'll be getting up at any point and in, interrupting the interview. So we're <laughs> we're safe here. Um, so. Can you just start by introducing yourself to the listener, telling them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, Cleo, um, I've been teaching for about 17 years now. Gosh, it sounds like a long time, but about 17 years. Um, started off in some really interesting schools in West London. Um, they tried to close my first one down actually because it was that challenging and um, didn't succeed um, and then I had an awesome time one of my favorite schools actually um, I was there for about five years um, and then I got to a point where I was supposed to either um, go into leadership um, or as um, the journey was I, I left the country so my husband and I went to teach abroad in Thailand for two years instead mm-hmm. um, and I came back pregnant which was really interesting because I found out that because I hadn't been working in the UK, I was entitled to nothing. So, um, and I couldn't believe it. So I'd come back pregnant and I was like, I must get at least statutory maternity pay or something, you know? And they were like, nope, you haven't been working here. So you get nothing. Um, And so I was really kind of torn between um, this being my first baby and it had taken us five years to have her. So I wanted to maximize the time I was off with her with kind of, having zero income for a year so um I went back to work I think she was about 10 months um and my husband took the second year off so we were lucky enough to be able to do that um and then I was an assistant head for about six years and I started a deputy headship this year um and I'm actually starting a new school in January as a deputy so that's exciting um so yeah and I've got two children now so an eight-year-old and a two-year-old wow (laughs) (laughs) the two at two completely different different stages you're getting one who can sort of take care of him or herself a little bit and then you Uh, bring one in who's (laughs) well this is the thing so they're both girls and it's funny you saying you've got one who can take care of herself and I'm thinking that sounds like the two-year-old actually you know (laughs) (laughs) I can do it by myself. <laughs> I don't need you. I'm maybe, that's, maybe that's a, a second child thing then. Oh, yeah, she she definitely fits all of those second child uh, cliche meme type, you know, things that you see on the internet where they're these real bruisers who don't need anyone, don't need any friends. Like, you know, that the eight-year-old will go to the park and just say, oh, mum, there's no one for me to play with. Meanwhile, the two-year-old's run round already. You've been on everything. <laughs> got about ten, 10 friends, a little. She's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> already got a clique going on there. Exactly. Um, so the reason I got you on the on the podcast today is because I listened to the diverse educators podcast and I just really the things that you were saying really resonated with me I found it a bit I found it a bit frustrating and maybe a bit sad that you were talking about some of the experiences that I'd had and like you've just said you've got a two-year-old and an eight-year-old and I've got a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old so the gap between our experiences of pregnancy parent being a parent and a leader in a school 
they're quite far apart and I was sort of hoping there might have been some progress made and actually quite a few of the things that you said resonated with with my experience so first of all can you share your experience of being a parent and a leader with the listeners and just tell us why you think it's important that we recognize ourselves as leaders and parents as well yeah I think when I had my first daughter um I had zero zero understanding of just how much it changes you being a parent and how much it should change you and how you should recognize that change and, and accept that actually you won't be doing things the same and I didn't get it at all and no one said it to me and I kind of went back to work thinking I would still work at the same pace I still had the same amount of um time and energy to commit to working at that level which I obviously just didn't um and that first year back was one of the hardest years in my entire career I was like completely broken and I'd be um trying to like pump milk in my office every break time every lunch time you know I was going for interviews as well in that first year um and so I'd have to like mid like in between the tasks or something like you know you've got a task at this time and a panel at this time and I'd be like trying to pump some milk in between and then I'd have my husband drive up and I'd run out with like the little bag of milk and run and it was just bonkers absolutely bonkers and yet I just felt that it was something I had to figure out you know because there was no one saying other than you know you get a little card congratulations you're a mum and someone will send you some flowers but no one kind of sits you down when you come back and says, right, what are the reasonable adjustments that need to be made now so that you can operate at the level that you want to operate at without compromising who you are, right? Because now you are a mum and that comes with responsibilities as well that you don't wanna, um, that you don't wanna compromise. You wanna, you wanna be able to perform well at both of these things. And, and that is a new thing. It's a new thing that, you know, you can, you can read books and you can watch TV shows, but it doesn't matter. It's the experience of it is the experience of it and you won't know it until you're doing it and you won't know what things need to be tweaked or tinkered with to enable you to do it effectively. Um, and I just think with my first daughter, I had zero, zero concept of, of what that would mean. And so it was really tough. And then I joined a school. So like I said, I was interviewing in that first year and I... I joined a school where it was um, totally part of the culture that you would have flexibility and that if you needed to um, go to, I don't know, uh, so when, when she started school and I, and I was actually delivering inset on that first day because she's starting school, I'm starting school and my husband's a teacher, he's starting school. And so, you know, um, but I said, you know, she's starting school. It's her first day at school. I need to bring her to school. And, and my head teacher at the time was like, of course, you know, of course you do. Go for it. Or I think they might have even suggested, you know, aren't they getting to the age where they're starting school now? Do you need some kind of, you know, we're, we're the kind of school that allows you to have a bit of time off on that first day to make sure they settle in? Because it can be tough. You don't, like I said, you don't know what it's like, right? It's a new experience for everyone going through it. And I was lucky that I've got the kind of daughter who kind of didn't even look back, you know, like, bye, losers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
Meanwhile, there's all these other like children and parents crying around her. She's kind of weaving her way through. It's like, what do you want me to do first? Where's the where are the pencils? Where are the coloring in stuff? You know. Um, but I didn't know it would be like that. So you had I had to make time for it to to go either way. And so I was really lucky that I worked in a school that that said that that was okay. Um, and then the school that I'm at now, like, you know, I've got a two-year-old now. And I said, when I joined there, I do at least three drop-offs in the morning. And so I need to have some flexibility to be able to do that. And and it's about me as well, recognising that on one hand, it's, it's a necessity because there's no one else to drop these girls. I can get one of them. My mum does one drop and someone needs to do the other. Um, but also, I really value it. And, and it's a conversation I've been having with my husband recently, actually, just about the language around some of the, the things that we get through. We say, well, you know, I've come home and I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'm like, it's not that you have to do it, we get to do it. And what an amazing thing that we get to do this thing. So whilst it is, you know, I, I can't figure out how else they would get to school, or my two-year-old would get to nursery, I, I think about it in the morning, I think, wow, I get to do this. I get to have a little bit of time in the morning where I'm not running around like an absolute lunatic because I know that my school has made it possible for me to patiently say, okay, you've got two odd shoes on, let's change those. Okay, these aren't the correct blue tights, let's get the other one, <laughs> like, you know, I get to do, this is amazing, right? Instead of me, ah you know I've got to get to school by this time I'm on duty at this time and I haven't got time for that you know? <laughs> it's like okay I mean and um and it's a privilege and I get that it's a privilege but I feel like it shouldn't be it should be standard like people want to do well at both things yeah. and there should be an understanding that you want to do well it shouldn't be that you know just just compromise your home life so you can perform well at school like that's it's just not fair is it and you should also be able to do things in the way that you want to do things. I wanted to be a mother, but I wanted a career. Like I look back and think like now I'm older and a lot wiser and getting towards 50. I, I don't know how much like wisdom there was in that. But at the time I wanted to focus on my career, but I wanted to have children as well. And I wanted to do both jobs well. And yeah. I don't know whether the environment that I was in helped me to do that because my experience was of ah, I've got to, got to drop the kids off I've got to get the traffic was bad it was like oh my god like I'm going to be late for work I'm going to be late for briefing or whatever it was yeah, yeah. and it doesn't like it doesn't change as your children get older the challenges mm. are different and I've talked about this many times listeners will be like oh god she's going on about this again <laughs> when I got divorced and then I was a single mom like I had to then get my children on the bus because if I didn't my drive to school was the phone would ring in the car yeah mum I don't know where my trousers are yeah uh mum you didn't leave me any dinner money I did it's on such a place no no it's not there I can't find then I'd be in a state and I'd, I'd get to work and I'd be trying then to sort their problems out remotely and thinking yeah friends and saying can you nip round and just check so I decided I've got to wait until they're on the bus so I see them out yeah. the door and they're, they've got their bags. I know they've got everything. But that meant that I was always rushing into school. I was the deputy head. We had a briefing at 10 past eight every morning. Yeah. I was rushing in the door at 10 past, sometimes 11 or 12 minutes past eight. 
and I felt like I was it's something to do with my own perception of things as well but I felt like I was being you know looked down looked down on that you're you're arriving at, at this time and felt like there wasn't a recognition that I was a deputy head but I was a single parent as well and that was a for me and it wasn't that I was doing it to take advantage of anybody and I think you you recognize that in the interview that I was listening to that we don't do these things because we're trying to take advantage or you know we want to do a good job but sometimes that actually when you do that and you you are looked down upon or you know people are suspicious of you it doesn't help you because you I became more anxious yeah exactly if I'd been given sort of the leeway to okay well I would have been able to do a better job because I wouldn't have been running into that meeting thinking ah, everybody's looking at me and oh gosh yeah, yeah yeah it was never a nice way to start the day but the thing that I I think some school leaders sort of their approach would be well if I let you do that and I'm flexible with you then I've got to let such a body who's got this issue and such a body who's got that issue and when I've got 80 members of staff in this school I can't possibly like have a workaround for everybody and be flexible with everybody yeah what's your response to that I think like it's it's compromising it's and it's understanding what works so you know when I initially um started this school I didn't get exactly the flexibility that I wanted because it just didn't work for the the school and I have to go with what works (laughs) for the school so I am um, <laughs> it's all right um and so for instance they they have a briefing as well on um twice a week and I had to be at, at those briefings and so I had to adjust which days I could do the drop-offs and which days um my husband could do them and so it wasn't just kind of me demanding that I need these days and I just will miss these briefings then I have to also show that um, I would like these days, but I appreciate that this is how your organisation works. And so how is it that we can help each other? And so, yeah, I get that, you know, um, it, there's the idea that it might open the floodgates. Um, but I don't know if that's the reality. And and I think for the most part, so for instance, I I, I kind of say, you know, I'll be at school by nine o'clock. And I'm usually there way earlier, you know? Um, and so the reality is that I actually miss maybe 10 or 15 minutes of the, the morning. Um, it's not the half an hour or whatever it, it might have seemed like it was going to be in the beginning. And I think for most people, it's that initial kind of, ah, everyone's going to want to do this thing and that thing and it's going to mess everything up. But it, in, in reality, it isn't people kind of just want to make their lives work and like you say if you're coming in with that stress and anxiety that that part of your life hasn't gone the way you wanted it to in the morning or that day or what have you you can't perform as well as you want to right you can't do what is a really demanding job um, at the level that you want to do it and so the fact that I get to ease into my morning and know like you did that right the girls are at school in warm clothes they've had breakfast and everything there is fine I can now put that to one side and do my job right I'm not expecting 
to get a phone call saying, you know, I don't know, your child's um, not ready for the day today or something, you know, because I know that I've, I've set them up as best I could. And, that, and it's just, it just feels really unfair that you would expect someone to not be able to do that or that they shouldn't, like, why, why can't I do that, right? Why can't I, I mean, my, my current head teacher said to me when I asked for it initially, she was like, of course you can, you can do that. You spend your whole day helping to raise other people's children. Why wouldn't we help you to raise your own? And I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I give my, my children to, their places and they are helping raise them there are things my kids do that I haven't taught them to do <laughs> you know they she goes the two-year-old goes to an amazing nursery and they teach her all sorts of things you know and I'm like awesome thank you <laughs> and so that's what we do I'm I'm you know through my teaching and my leading and whatever else it is that we do throughout the day I'm helping to instill values in your child and you know help them be good people and so I also need to do that for my own, you know, I need to give my own children that time too. I think it's great that you've got a head who's like that. And I say to that lady, you know, woohoo, good for you, because I think that it's, it's brilliant that, that she's like that. Another of my experiences was that when I separated from my husband, I started to feel like I was heading towards a burnout. I got, you know, I thought if I have to keep coming in five days a week and going through the stress of not you're not only like being a single mum you're actually you're, you're going through a hugely traumatic event that's happened in your life and trying yeah. to come to terms with that I suppose it's like you're dealing with loss it's you know I thought I'm at risk of maybe ending up with some sort of mental health challenge here yeah. and asked to go four days you know I said look I think the solution for me not to end up on my knees metaphorically is to go four days and one the the response that I got was mm, I'm not sure that would work because then I'd have to offer that to everybody on the senior leadership team and I thought why would you have to offer it I'm asking for it this yeah, is exactly you yeah. don't then have to go out and say right everybody okay so this is what Cleo's asked for <laughs> need that is, it, is there anybody else who wants that it was like a I've asked for it because it's unique to my circumstances and that would be a way that you could support me as an organisation to yeah. to the best of my ability. And what I'm saying to you is, if you don't let me and I have to keep working five days, then potentially I'm going to have to go off sick yeah. for a long period of time. I never did and I did get the, the part-time. But one of the things that I think you talk about is learning as you've got older, like about, I suppose your experience of being um having a, another protected characteristic that's made you be stronger and realize that you know you have to go out there and ask for those things like I did in in that instance yeah How important is that to you as like being able to say this is what I need because I talk on the podcast a lot about as leaders we should be asking people what they need yeah but balancing that alongside, I think what you talk about is feeling strong enough to be able to say, this is what I need. Can I have it? Yeah, I think it's it, I, I think it comes down to what you feel you're entitled to. And there are just minimum expectations, I think, for your life. Right. And I instill that in my own girls, in my 
when in all aspects of what they do so they they should feel entitled to time with their parents they should feel confident enough to say mum dad you you need to read me a book today because you haven't spent five minutes with me today you've come in you've been rushing around cooking dinner hoovering and I always just sit down and, and they will and I am proud that they do that right and in the same respect like I'm I'm a human being who is entitled to certain things and even in my home life I think you know I exist as a person in this house who's entitled to some me time right and so I'm gonna have 10 minutes when no one's gonna bother me I'm gonna sit in my room I'm gonna read a book whatever it is you know because I deserve to have this thing and so once you have that kind of self-value where you appreciate the things that you deserve right I deserve as a mom to be able to have a couple of mornings where I don't feel like I'm booting them out of the house so I can get to, you know, get to school on time. Like, it's not nice. It's not a nice experience for me. It's not a nice experience for them. And it's not fair that you think it's okay for me to feel bad for doing that, right? So I think it, it comes down to entitlement. But also I think, you know, like you said, if you ask for it, lots of people are going to ask for it. I think it's it's the organizer just being transparent. Like if you are a caring and compassionate organization, everyone should know that. And so they should know what that means. I don't think you have to explicitly sometimes, you know, announce in staff briefing, oh, well, Cleo has this thing. If anyone else would like it, then let me know. You do need to announce we are a caring and compassionate school. And if you feel that there are things that we could be doing to support you and support your life circumstances and support you to do your job effectively, you should be speaking to us about that because we want you to work at the best of your ability. And so if there are barriers to that, let us know. And it can be that clear and it, and it should be kind of um, like people need those reminders, right? new staff that arrive need to know this is what our organization is we are an organization that cares and is compassionate shows empathy we support you as much as we reasonably can and you should feel like you can come and have a conversation it's not that you're going to come in and demand things and say that you know this is what i need to happen otherwise i can't do you know you said we will listen and where possible we will try to to help but it's about letting people know that and also like knowing what the counter to that is right so if you're the kind of place <laughs> that isn't doing that are you proud to lead a school that doesn't are you proud to lead a school where someone could be going through a divorce being a new mom going through these situations and they don't feel like they can come to you and say i'm finding this period of my life tough is there something you could do to support would you would you announce that in staff briefing to say you know, at this school, we expect you to bend and stretch to suit. No, Cleo, this is where there's a there's a there's a misunderstanding with people in terms of what equality is and what equity is, and I think this is possibly a good example of it, isn't it? That as a head teacher, like what you're saying, totally resonates with me. If I if I'd got to the point where as a head teacher, I would hope I would lead an organisation like that an organization that understands that everybody has different needs and needs different things at different times and you know might require different adaptations or might require this bit of flexibility and we do it on the basis of 
what are the different individuals' needs. I think the approach of some school leaders is well, we offer the same to everyone. I think that was the mistake that the head teacher I was working for made in the yeah. well, if you want to go part time, I have to offer that to everybody. It's like an equality versus equity thing, isn't it? And I think in some respects, there's possibly not quite enough understanding of yeah. in all schools. I don't think all governors and all school leaders are totally, you know, cognizant. Cognizant, is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> home in a pause or brain fog. It's like, like words I can't remember. But do you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a difference between the two isn't there and I think some schools are trying to be like this is about equality but it's not it's about equity isn't it it's about what's fair and, and what I find most bizarre is that we do it all day every day for children exactly. it's, it's part of what we do like that's I have children in my class who have a timeout card because they get anxious and they need to have and it says please give whoever five minutes to stand outside the classroom I don't say to every child in that class I'm dishing these all out to all of you all 32 yeah, of you exactly. now yeah. whenever you need five minutes out of here because Annabelle gets it you all get it like that would be preposterous like you wouldn't need to have a meeting or a policy to explain to people why that makes no sense and so is this this idea that we do it for children so well we get we get it so well that reasonable adjustments need to be made for different children because children are individual, unique, they're, you know, carrying their own little combination of unique situations that require us to adapt. And then it's like, but the adults, no, 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 they're like these um, homogenous robots who come prepared and, and polished and don't need any uh, reasonable, and you're like, why on earth would that be? What, what miraculous, magical thing do you think happened between the age of 16 and 41 that meant that now yeah. we all just operate exactly the same? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's so ridiculous. And yet it feels like this genius idea. Like, oh. It's a, it's a light bulb moment that lots of senior leaders have when I'm coaching them that oh, if you do that with the children, if it works with them, oh, of course. And it's, it's like, <laughs> there's, a, there's some sort of, like, disconnect, isn't there, yeah. sometimes, between sort of, we do all these things for the children, that really works for them. And actually, at the end of the day, they're human beings, and we're all human beings. Like, the, the same things work for all of us. I think it's, it's like, we know how children learn, and we're just starting now to apply that to how adults learn to have an impact yeah. on professional development. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, their brains and our brains are, I know that our brains are more sort of the prefrontal lobe is much more developed and we're better at logical thinking and reasoning. But other than that, pretty much our brains are we're the same. Like, how many adults have you dealt with? <laughs> oh my gosh how did you not develop this yet you know how did no one tell you this was wrong yet you know my husband only learned like since living with me close the bathroom door when you go to the <laughs> toilet <laughs> we got together when he was like 33 <laughs> you know? it's just like and, and so 
it's just this idea that like adults are like these finished products who don't need any of the guidance, support, uh, techniques that, that a teenager might need. I think like you've hit the nail on the head there, haven't you? It's a we're not the finished article. You know, we're still, we still have challenges. We still, you know, we get things wrong. We we we're not still learning, aren't we? Human beings, are we? What what it made me think of when you were talking just in in answer to the previous question whatever it was I've got no idea now but anyway it was, <laughs> is it is it a is it a policy thing because I was thinking you know we've got really good um SEN policies so and, and we tend to there's training on that for staff and we will look at those policies and it's part of our practice we think about how we're applying that policy to what we do Whereas sometimes I think like the other policies, like I'm talking about, you know, if you've got you, your policy on maternity and, you know, returning to work and, and those things, are we just signing those off and just thinking, yeah, yeah, that's, that's all. They're not sort of living policies, are they? We're not actually looking at what's in them and saying, look, this is in the policy. This is how we will support you. And I think senior leaders probably don't, know the policies well and and we don't and they're just seen as being sort of you have to have a policy so yeah you've got one and then yeah you can have a look at it online Ofsted wants to have a look at them probably you know they can do but they're not actually living breathing things that are used to actually inform the way that we act as a as an organization Before we carry on with the interview, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our partner, Head Teacher Chat. Head Teacher Chat discusses lots of topics from how to support pupils with learning, how to support parents, and the many issues that come with leading a school. The aim of Head Teacher Chat is to support head teachers and school leaders who are in a challenging and often lonely role. They do this by offering lots of information for schools to tap into. For example, they have lots of fantastic education companies on their database for leaders to discover, as well as leadership templates to download. They've written product reviews for leaders who are looking for products for their school. And this year, they've even launched the very first school leader planner, especially designed to help leaders to be productive and organised. If you'd like to hear more about Head Teacher Chat, you can find them on their website at www.headteacherchat.com. Head Teacher Chat. It's what head teachers are talking about. Now let's get back to the interview. I think I think it goes beyond that though, doesn't it? It's the culture. I think it's the culture of that school. And every school has its culture. And you can usually feel it and sense it when you go in and you know, you get a, a sense of it when you speak to the leaders in that school. Is it kind of when I um initially went back after my first daughter, the culture of that school was that all the leaders walked around telling you how hard they were working all the time. And they'd say, oh, you know, I've been up till two o'clock in the morning. I've been up till three in the morning. They'd send emails at 5.30 a.m. So you knew that, you know, they'd already started their work. And that was the culture of the school. I remember I was kind of um, half sat on the edge of the table and the head came in and said, why are you sat on the edge of the table? We don't do that here. You, you, you should be stood up all the time when you're in the... And I was like, oh, okay. Like, all of these little things speak to the culture of the school, don't they? And yeah. so when you're kind of 
And I think we do need to be more reflective of when you're in that school, what is this culture? Does this culture work for me? And really appreciate there are so many schools. So when I was in that school, when my after I came back from my um, having my first daughter, I didn't appreciate that. I was like, this is horrendous. And I don't think teaching's for me. I was like, I need to get out of this, right? I was like, this is awful. I can't do this. I can't be a mum and an assistant then if this is how I'm supposed to work. I can't, you know. And then you go to a... And I had a coach at the time. And thankfully, she said to me, she was like, Cleo, schools are all different. Just go to a different school. I was like, they're not all different. They're all going to be like this, you know. And she was totally right. Because the, the next school I went to, the culture was, you have something that needs to be done, you do it. You have a reasonable adjustment that needs to be made, you do it. My first... Um, my first year actually at that school my my grandma passed away and we were very very close and from my West Indian culture the funeral is a massive event right and so I spoke to my head teacher and said you know um we have to organize the nine night and this is what happens nine days after she dies and it's a massive party hundreds of people are coming I need to have the afternoon off to to run around to supermarkets and get food and get drinks blah, blah, blah. and she's like well of course she said I've never heard of this before you've brought it to my attention this is what needs to happen this is what needs to happen and then the funeral again we've had hundreds of people and I said you know I need another afternoon off to do of course and that was the culture of that school that of course you have things that may require reasonable adjustments and the culture is that we will provide that and it meant like you say that you didn't have people who looked at you and thought oh why does Cleo get to do that or, because they knew that actually if I needed that I would also get it you know it wasn't someone giving you weird looks because they see you coming in late or leaving early they knew well I know that the culture of this school is that if I go and speak to my head teacher and let them know this is a situation, that I would also get exactly the same fair treatment. So I think it goes kind of beyond, like, you can put anything in the policy, can't you? You go to schools where they have anti-racist policies and then every middle leader and senior leader is white in a school that doesn't have any white children in it, you know? Mm. And so it's not actually what's written written on the website for statutory reasons it's it's what is what do people feel like when they're in this building you know and and not just the children but the adults is really important really important it's interesting that you said that because i one of the things that i work on with senior leaders as well is that understanding what the experience of someone who works here is how yeah. people who work in this organization experience it yeah and a lot of them don't know. A lot of them can't tell me if I said to them, you know, the experience of this member of staff in this department, how do they experience the school? Or, you know, they don't know. And I feel like when you're talking about the policies, it's something that people need to be involved in. You know, I said like the checking of a policy, you know, making sure your policy is updated is often just read through it yeah that all looks okay I'll sign it and date it today and say that that policy has been reviewed but that policy hasn't been reviewed has it it's been read and someone thought yeah it sounds pretty okay to me as the yeah. head who checks these policies but have they 
gone out and said to people in the school have you read this policy how how is this policy working like we've got these things in it does how does that feel to you how do you experience that sit down with a group of people who if it is your maternity policy then i think you meant i think you alluded to this in the uh, podcast that you did with diverse educators like then that group of people sit down and look at that policy and go like how has this policy applied to me has it has it worked for me? Is it working for me? There are things that, are, from my perspective, are missing from it. Or am I even aware of it? You know, because so many policies, yeah, yeah, they're just there, aren't they? Nobody, nobody knows. And some policies, I suppose, you know, do do we need to know some of them? But there are some that are particularly important. Definitely, definitely. And I think people would be surprised that. Um, like flexible working policies even exist in some of their schools right don't they know this this is really important people should know that you have a flexible working policy they should know how to apply for it like my husband's school is is complete they know that in the january when people are starting to think about you know option blocks and timetables and blah blah if you think you might need any flexible working any part-time hours anything like that this is the window within which you apply. And that's part of the systems that happen in his school. It's not kind of someone wondering if, if that could happen or hoping it could happen. There is a, a structure and a system for it to take place. And then we build it into what we're doing. So, you know, I know that in the next couple of months, we need to think about he has one day off a week and we'll think about if that one day works for our lives if we need to request that that day's moved to a different day you know it allows us to also plan yeah. but it's because that is how you know it underpins that policy doesn't it that there's a system that um is in place to ensure that the policy can live and breathe in the school yeah. and it's that's important isn't it it's important that you make sure that those policies are having an impact on people that they're working that people know what they are and can say actually yeah that's really worked for me so you say oh, well we'll keep that in the policy then but this element of it has not and then it's a conversation that you can have at, at slt or at governor level about whether this policy is actually really working for us now but like policies for me have to they've got to be living documents otherwise what's the point in it yeah load of words on a piece of paper just so that you can tick a box that says well we've got that policy in place I think the understanding of a lot of senior leaders of policies is you go on the key you find a policy on there <laughs> and then you replace find the, replace insert, insert <laughs> school name here and you just know you have a policy but like you're saying it's about the culture of the school isn't it it's about what do we value in this school what are our core shared values? Exactly. And like, if you look at a policy, if I were an, an Ofsted inspector, which I don't think I ever will be, it, <laughs> I'd be a really nice one. I'd, I'd be really <laughs> but I'd be looking at policies and I'd be thinking, is there a thread of what this school values? Can I feel the school culture yeah. merging from these school policies so that when I go into the school and experience it for real, Am I feeling what I've read in those policies or am I just looking at policies that are just off the shelf? Let's do it because we've got a policy. Because I think if if senior leaders understood 
the importance of those policies and what they mean when they're applied and how they have an impact on staff's experience of working in that school yeah things i would hope things would be better but i don't, I don't <laughs> like maybe cultures could be changed and it's really it's really it's really heartening for me to to hear your experience of working in schools where there is that approach right oh, they they definitely exist and i think you know sometimes particularly with what's going on at the moment just politically um teachers can get into this spiral of thinking that it's all awful and everywhere's awful and everything's awful yeah. and it can, stories, aren't we in education yeah. and it can just be very unique to where you are in that school and i've been really fortunate that even my current school the one of the school values is um kindness you know just being kind and you can really sense it you get a real strong sense with the children but like we've just said there are also adults in that building and so the adults know and the head teacher will say all the time like well is that the kind thing to do you know is that the kindest way we could treat our colleague or is that the kind of way we would treat us our, our students and it applies to everyone in that building as it should not just um to the young people yeah kindness is one of my core values kindness yeah passion just like so so important to me and I've just got so excited about what you've said and thinking about that school that I forgot what my next question was because <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what what lots of like you're saying we're doomsayers and like a teacher will get a job and think oh my god I'm in this school and it's awful and the culture's not like I want it to be it must be like that everywhere but when I think the importance of whatever level you're working at in a school when you go for a job in a new school you've got to make sure you understand what the culture is in the school don't you exactly. yeah questions about like go, going back to my interview as a, as a deputy I think I was so focused on what I could bring to them that I didn't focus enough on how they would help me yeah career or if things went wrong or yeah you know, I'd not I'd not risk assessed it I didn't do a risk management plan you know what if I get divorced you know how's <laughs> going to help me but even to ask the head you know what do you value what yeah. what sort of leader are you who who am I going to be working for tell me about how you see our relationship as head and deputy working like they're yeah. important questions you tend to ask oh well what CPD do you offer like how yeah. <laughs> but actually asking some questions that get much deeper into the you know what sort of culture the are culture. you trying to create oh. in school yeah how I fit into it and how will we exist in that culture you know you've got to be a lot smarter haven't you in the way that you figure out whether a school's for you but it's also like you've got to be so confident right because most of the time you kind of just need a job don't you that's <laughs> You do you have the space in your like you don't always have the space to think I really really need a job but if it's not quite the right one I won't take it like what a privilege especially when you're going for assistant head and deputy head jobs that you know there's so much competition for yeah. is it a case of and sometimes actually experiencing those schools helps you to 
be able to say actually that's had an influence on me and so when I get the next job or when I'm a deputy or when I'm ahead I know I'm looking for this or I know I'm going to try and create that environment you have to I think you have to have a broad experience of things that work and things that don't work so that you can crystallize exactly what you would do because I was thinking so your experience of you know your fertility journey pregnancy having having children and being a parent and how that's impacted on your work like how will that how will that influence how you lead as as a deputy now so when you you know in your new role I guess and perhaps in the future as a head teacher I think like the so many different influences I think when I when I was first trying to conceive, so back when I was like late 20s, and I was in a really kind of, it was an outstanding school. Everyone was working at an exceptional level. And the expectation was that you would continue to work at that level regardless, like there were no kind of um, adjustments that were being made for anyone. And so that was a school where I'd kind of run out in my break time, my lunchtime, um, go and get my follicles uh, measured you know, because I'd be on whatever treatment and then run back to make sure I didn't miss my lesson. And it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy, but there was no, I didn't, I didn't know it was crazy. Like we were sometimes in situations where you don't even know that this makes no sense at all, right? Yeah. Um, you just kind of get on the experience of it, isn't it? Exactly. You kind of just get on with it. And then I think about where I am now, where I've only been at this school for a term and um, I'd originally come for a one-year secondment, um, so I was always only going to be there temporarily. Um, and it just so happens that a school that I was really keen to work at, a role came up, and um, my head teacher that I work for now has, you know, beyond supportive. Like I, I, I've never worked for anyone who is so so impressive in terms of um, her competence and her compassion. And so just really clear understanding of what things need to be in place to make the school work, but clear understanding of what it means to be a kind and compassionate leader and the impact that has on making the school work. And it's something I'd never seen because I'd seen these leaders who were kind of very, um, you know, single-minded and, 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 focused on I've got to get the school from this place to this place and there'll be casualties along the way but it doesn't matter because I'm going to keep my core team of hardcore teachers with me you know and I thought oh well that's that must be the way to do it you know you can only and be on that team if you can work 70 hours a week exactly <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that you can't be on this team you, you know? can't be on this team you obviously don't want the best for my school so you know go somewhere where the standards are that hours, it's a no <laughs> And I was like, oh, maybe that's how you do it. And now I'm here. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I've, 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 I've seen like, wow, you know, um, that there is a way to keep the expectations ex like really, really high. Our, our expectations are, I would say, in many respects, higher than some of the other places. Um, but to do it with kindness and okay. to do it with care. I assume that she gets a lot of um oh what's the word Andy Buck calls it um 
discretionary effort from people you know people yeah all the extra mile I assume if she says to someone I really need this to happen she's probably got people going I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it because they feel like they're respected and trusted treated with with kindness and care and compassion and looked after so they want to reciprocate that I assume you get an environment in which people are quite willing to to give if it's definitely and yet I think as teachers like we do it anyway but she gets people doing it with a good heart yeah it's not being done with resentment and I think teachers always do it don't they they always go the extra mile they put like wouldn't run if we we work rule they wouldn't run at all for other people don't we? we we we're in service to other people I think that's yeah the thing with teachers that's why that's why teaching that's why schools are still working and running on barely any investment barely any like you you just you don't have as much money but you have people who will give and give and give and that's how schools keep going because people are prepared to do that because that's what teachers do shouldn't have to no and that's the point you shouldn't have to and I think that's the movement thankfully that we're on now people understand that we shouldn't have to do this right it shouldn't be that I am begrudgingly giving you everything I have right I should be doing it with a with a happy heart because I know that you understand that I'm a human with needs and when I come to you with my needs you don't ignore them you know and so just you know of course whatever I'm doing then will be done better it it will definitely be done better it makes me feel optimistic and I am an optimistic person I'm a very optimistic person I think sometimes my experiences of what happened to me in education do make me look at things and go oh you know I'm concerned about the future of of education but what you're saying it makes me think there are schools out there there are leaders out there who are doing things differently and recognize that it can and it does it does work and you know we can create an environment in education in which people can do a good job and not feel constantly exhausted or on the point of burnout and I think it's it's really it's really it's really sort of can't think of the word that I want I, again I <laughs> it does it it makes me feel more hopeful let's yeah say. yeah so in terms of like w- would you be a head teacher is it something that you that you're considering oh definitely yeah and even being able to say that I think that's just changed by working at the school that I work in now and so before I used to I think when I first started teaching and you kind of are super keen and enthusiastic, yeah, I'll be a head teacher, I'll be amazing. And then you start life, you know, <laughs> get married and you have your kids and you're like, what? No way could I do this and, and still juggle all of these things. But actually my current head, um, she also has a two-year-old. And so right. looking at her being a role model in the sense that she is showing, she's not, 
hiding the fact that she has this two-year-old <laughs> you know everyone knows that she has this two-year-old and that she's a mum, and you know um and that she's leading this school really really well and so I think prior to working with her you may have met um heads who either um they don't talk about the fact that they're mums as well or that they're parents or um they talk about it with guilt all the time just oh I hardly ever see my children oh I hardly ever you know it's not it's impossible to do both of these things um but no she'll say you know I took him to the park at the weekend we had a lovely time <laughs> it's part of what makes the her a whole person and so having that experience I'm like yeah I can do this I can I could lead a school and I could raise my children I think I could do this you know and so now it does feel like a, an actual possibility in the next couple of years that I would go for a headship and that now I could see how to do it in a way that means that you know if we go back to what we said at the beginning that you you get that adults aren't finished <laughs> you know and adults are complex complex uh, creatures who who need to be treated kindly yeah even the ones who struggle most with the school leaders the yeah ones find most challenging or most difficult to having that kindness and trying to understand them as a person and their behaviors and where they come from you know why that happens can make a huge amount of difference can't it like children <laughs> like the children the, the most challenging ones are the ones that have the most challenging lives it's communication it's this yeah it's the same you've got to get beneath That's the surface the you've got to you've really got to try to understand people that's why I think compassion is so important for me like really seeing things from someone else's perspective I'm really really happy that you said that you want to be ahead because I am concerned sometimes about it's the question I always ask when I do my women leaders group coaching program and when I work with school leaders I ask if if they would like to be a head teacher and it concerns me that so many women say oh no I don't think so Dep deputy yes but mm, I'm not sure about head teacher yeah I, I want more women to believe that they can be head teachers and that's why we need more role models because I think there are too many male heads too many senior leadership teams that are male top heavy senior leadership teams particularly in secondary schools where I know you get more female heads relatively speaking than you do in the primary but I think you get a lot more senior leadership teams in secondaries that are man head like you know they're yeah. over populated by men and we need more role models like the head teacher that you're talking about so that women look and say oh look actually I can do this job I am capable of it this person's doing it so well and that's how I want to do it I think sometimes there's a disconnect as well when you see a man you know in in charge of a school and it's not necessarily how you would do it rather than it galvanizing you and making you think I'm going to do that differently I think a lot of women think oh maybe this isn't the the this is one for me yeah exactly like that yeah so I think that I think that's what's happened, what happened to me prior to this role where you'd see people do it and think this looks awful. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. 
Yeah, working in a school where, you know, it was a 70 hours a week and we're sending emails at 5.30 and we're still working. And, oh, I was working at 2 a.m. And it's a terrible state. It's a terrible situation to be in because staff then think they have to work like yeah. that because they're looking to the senior leadership team for a model of how to work and how to behave. Exactly. And if you're not doing that, you say you are anyway. So people say they're doing things for people who aren't go. Oh, is everybody do- is everybody doing that? I'd better do it. And it's a terrible, vicious circle, isn't it? In which everybody's just exhausted. You just, yeah. I just think you can't you can't work like that. And you're not like we're we're so committed to nurturing and encouraging young people that we work with, and then you forget that you're also doing it for the adults. When you're a leader, what am I doing to nurture these teachers and encourage them? that they see what I do as doable and possible and something they might, you know, um, aspire to do as well. If I walk around looking bedraggled and broken and, you know, and I'm honest, I'll say, like, I've got toothpaste on my suit today. (laughs) Like, that's, that's just me being honest. It's not me saying, oh, my God, it's awful. I can't do it, you know. And it's like, no, this is life. (laughs) I tell them, I oh gosh I I said you know up until um I probably said I had my second child a little bit before I just decided I only wear suits to work because I thought I see my husband get ready in the morning and it's so quick yeah <laughs> he, he changes his shirt <laughs> and he's gone and I was like and I was there oh should I wear this trousers, pair of trousers should I wear this nice blue? no I have three suits blue black gray <laughs> right? And then I don't have to think about anything else. I had a, a, this is what I wear on each day. I had five like dresses or outfits generally. And (laughs) time to think about it on some days. I might think, oh, I might wear something different today. But I had my Monday dress, my Tuesday dress, (laughs) trousers and flats. Because about that, it was just like anything you can do to make it to make it anything to make it easier, right? I bought a pair of Dr. Martins this year because I was like, boom, done. Don't need even to think about it now. See, I used to wear heels every day, and then I went out in a pair of heels the other day and thought, how on earth did I do this? (laughs) These days. But thank you so much for coming on and helping us to see that it is possible to be kind, to you know, take care, take care of staff, you know, look after your staff. I think the word you just used up there was nurture them you know see that because really your staff this is what I don't really get in a lot of schools when they cut CPD budgets or they don't spend on you know making life easier or better for staff when you're spending 80 percent up to 80 percent of your school budget on on your staff yeah and you've got to look after them you've got to treat them well because yeah that's a huge, huge investment, isn't it? Millions of pounds that you're paying for these for these people who come in yeah. and help your organisation to be what it is. And if you want to improve your organisation, they're the people who are going to do it. Yeah, not you as the leaders. Like you can be there and do your role and inspire people, and but they're the people who are delivering in the classrooms every day. They're the people who you want to be, like you're saying, you want them to come in feeling happy and relaxed. 
not tearing their hair out and full of anxiety about they've had to leave a screaming child at nursery and they've come away from that feeling so guilty and remorseful and yeah and they'll the whole day just thinking about getting back to that child right yeah. yeah whereas i think one thing you said was you'll stay there you'll say i'm going to wait here until my child's settled or i feel happy about it yeah and that's, that's our role as leaders to create an environment in which people can work to the best of their ability and be the best that they can be and i think what you've done by coming on today is sort of help people to recognize that 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 is that is possible and if that's what they want to do then they can go ahead and um, exactly well i hope so yeah <laughs> it's been it's been really good i will have to get your head teacher on as well because i think we, we need <laughs> to find out more about how how she how she does that as well because i think it's it is awesome fantastic that that <laughs> That's how you that's how you speak of her and that's that's what she manages to do if people want they're interested in some of the things that you do i know you're on twitter aren't you 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 i am yeah and um you did write a chapter in the diverse educators book so where can people sort of come and find out more about you and your experiences i think i think twitter twitter's the, yeah my main medium of communication at the moment um oh, yeah at, it's at cleo de Jong. so at c-l-e-o-d-e-j-o-n-g great and what's the book called what's the diverse educators book called um diverse educators a manifesto that's it yeah and people can i'm assuming they can just buy that exactly yeah it's brilliant actually it's really good places where you would buy your educational yeah brilliant thank you so much for joining us it's been oh thank you for having me to you thanks cleo oh i want to say thank you so much to cleo for doing that interview i enjoyed it so much and had so much fun i really hope you enjoyed it as much as i did it's a bit of a tale of two halves really in in that i think it shows what happens in some schools in a negative way, but also what schools can do when they think outside the box, when they're prepared to think differently and do things a little bit differently and allow for the flexibility. And I'm, re- I'm really desperate, as you could tell, I'm desperate to interview Chloe's head teacher. She described her as competent and compassionate. And for me, I think that is just the ultimate the ultimate aim isn't it if you are going to be a head teacher to be described as competent and compassionate i think that's just amazing well that is all we've got time for i am going to be going having a mince pie i don't drink but i might have a i might have some hot ribena because it's absolutely freezing outside here it's currently minus five degrees and to be honest with you I do love it when it's like this because it's cold and crisp and clear and I think it's not going to be quite so cold in the coming days but whatever you are doing over the Christmas holidays if you're celebrating Christmas enjoy the celebration with your family and friends if you are having a holiday going away somewhere enjoy it if you're just going to be hanging around enjoy that whatever you're doing have a great Christmas I'm going to be taking two weeks holiday 
I'm not going to be doing anything at all. I'm going to have a complete, completely switch off and have a break from everything. And I will speak to you in the new year. So have a great Christmas. Enjoy the new year celebrations. And I will talk to you next year. Take care of yourself. Take care of your staff and lead well. This episode of the We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with Progressive Masculinity and headteacherchat.com.